this is a worldwide problem. Uh, we need to take action in our own life because, yes, we need a sustainable world. I agree. But we also need a sustainable life. We need a sustainable home. And we need a sustainable body. That's Max Strom. And this is The Depression Detox Show. Welcome back to the Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to help you live a happier life. I am your host, Malik Josephs. Happy Tuesday. Super excited for you joining me today because we have a great talk with returning speaker, personal transformation and mindfulness teacher, Max Strom. And the last time we had him on the show, he spoke about how to cultivate more happiness. But I am really excited to have him on the show this time because in this episode, he really highlights the gift that he's been sharing with the world for over 25 years. So let's jump right into this one with Max Strom. Enjoy. We now live in a a digitally obsessed escape-based society, as you know, and we want to call the, the new normal and there seems to be a big push to accept it. However, we aren't happy. If you look at studies on the level of happiness now, especially the medications that we use, uh, we are not a happy society. We should be ecstatic. We have a, a rectangle in our pocket that has access to all the world's knowledge, that has uh, any entertainment you'd possibly want. So why aren't we ecstatic? The World Health Organization has stated that by 2020, worldwide, depression and anxiety will be the number one disability. That's only four and a half years from now. In the United States, 25% of women are now taking antidepressant medication, anti-anxiety medication, or both. Men are close behind. And uh, the CDC has declared that sleep dysfunction is now at an epidemic level. And again, this is not an American problem. This is a global problem. From Beijing to Berlin to Tel Aviv to Cape Town, it's the same problem. So there are things we can do about it, and one of the things is to create a daily practice of breath work, which is free once you learn it, and has no side effects, unlike a lot of the medications we see on television where you see people wearing white, Uh, running down the beach with billowing white fabric over their head, laughing with the dogs chasing them, always golden Labrador. As somebody talks about side effects, including bleeding from the eyes, coma, permanent (laughs) impotence, and things like that. This is a worldwide problem. Uh, We need to take action in our own life because, yes, we need a sustainable world. I agree. But we also need a sustainable life. We need a sustainable home and we need a sustainable body. So when I meet with people in groups or individually, I try to help them create a sustainable life. And one of the first things I teach them is breath work. In mindfulness programs across America, we have 
I think 25% of uh, corporations have mindfulness programs. They unfortunately often teach meditation first. Now, meditation is a fantastic technology. I use it, I teach it, no question. But if you take someone who's stressed out of their mind and say, you know, now sit down and close your eyes and don't think about anything, it, it's not going to happen. They will sit down and close their eyes and think about their project. So meditation is not wrong to teach, but I think it's more advanced. If you teach people to breathe first, this calms the nervous system, this triggers uh, fight or flight to switch off and rest and digest to switch on. Then people can sit and meditate without a problem. Now, I've learned something fascinating about um, human beings through teaching breathing, because I could talk to you now about oxygen and CO2. I could talk to you about um, chi, or uh, as I say in Japan or Korea, ki, the life force energy that moves through us and can be regulated through breath, but there's something more interesting that I found. Teaching people how to breathe led me to a discovery. There's a tremendous relationship between breath, the lungs, and grief. So I want to tell you a story. This happened last year. I gave a talk to about 50 CEOs about happiness, um, breath, anxiety, etc. And after the talk, I uh, left the building, went down to the sidewalk to wait for a taxi. One of the CEOs followed me out, and he said, look, uh, I'm 58 years old, and I've started having panic attacks for the first time in my life. And when you're a CEO, having panic attacks doesn't work. You can't sit in a board meeting and suddenly feel your neck get stiff and a splitting headache come on and you want to run screaming out of the room. He says, I can't have this. What should I do? And I said, well, when did these panic attacks start? He said, six months ago. So what was my next logical question? Exactly. What happened six months ago? He said, my brother died. And you were close, I said. He said, yes, very. And you're a workaholic, aren't you? And he smiled and said, yes. And after the funeral, you went right back to work, didn't you? And he said, yes. I said, you don't have an anxiety issue. You don't have a panic attack issue. You have a grief issue. You haven't grieved the death of your brother. Now, when you suppress grief, which you've learned to do, and you and I have learned to do, if you keep suppressing it, and you layer it as new grief events happen in your life, it comes out in another way. It comes out as anxiety. So your anxiety, your panic attacks, are because of your grief. He said, what should I do? I said, come to my workshop tomorrow downtown. I'll show you some breathing exercises. He said, breathing exercises? I said, just come. So he did. He wrote me two months later, and he said, no panic attacks. They've stopped completely. But I have been feeling grief. And I realized, you were right, I did need to grieve my brother. So by allowing himself to feel the grief, which we're terrified of, the anxiety was gone. I see this all the time. The people that have the most anxiety, that learn breathing exercises, almost immediately start to weep. 
You can time it. It usually takes three to five minutes, sometimes 30 seconds. And if we ask ourselves, why, why is this? Why do so, much of, so many of us suppress grief? It's because we're taught to. Mostly in an unspoken way, we're taught that expressing grief is socially unacceptable. If you think about it, we'll express angrily, uh, anger much more readily than grief. Um, we'll shout at the TV screen if our team is losing. We'll yell at uh, another car and not apologize to the passengers in our car. But if you start crying when you're talking to someone, you'll wipe the tears away quickly and say, I'm sorry, I don't know where that came from. I'm sorry. And especially men, we're taught, never let them see you cry. It's a sign of weakness and failure. So that's what we've been taught. And on top of that, no one ever taught us what to do when our friends are grieving. So we avoid them. So on top of going through the grief event, our friends scatter. They don't know what to do. They've never been taught. They think they'll make us feel awkward. So they avoid us. And so now we're isolated as well. So I think that if we came together, we would build stronger bridges of friendship. We would create more intimacy. And you don't have to say anything to someone who's grieving. Don't try to cheer them up. Just say it's going to hurt really bad for a while. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. This year it's your turn. Next year it might be my turn. We'll all get through this together. That's one of the chief things I think we need to do as a society. And second is learn breathing exercises because it makes a difference right away. Not someday. When I go into a corporation, believe me, if it didn't work, they'd say, I say, we're going to do breathing work. It's going to make you feel better within 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Big thanks to Max Strom for stopping by. And at the end of this talk, which I didn't include in today's episode, but at the end of the talk, he walks you through a breathing exercise that you can do. So if you're interested in him walking you through it, you can click the link in the show description below. It is entitled Breathe to Heal Max Strom TEDx Cape May. So click on that link and skip to the 14 minute, 20 second timestamp. And it's about three, maybe four, I think like three to five minutes long. It's really quick. So you can go and check that out. And if you'd like to look it up on your own, you can search for the four, seven, eight breathing technique, which actually, if you're writing it, it's four dash seven dash eight breathing technique. And in his talk, he also mentioned his breathing class, which is a class that he has created and taught for over 25 years. And it's called the inner access system. And I'll read a description of it right from his website. So, quote, the inner access system is designed to make you feel better within 10 minutes of practicing. And with regular practice will alleviate stress, anxiety, depression, grief and PTS, which stands for post-traumatic stress, end quote. And on his website, he also offers other workshops that he conducts online and in person all over the world. So, again, Big thanks to Max Strom for stopping by. If you'd like to connect with him, you can go to his website, maxstrom.com. His Instagram is maxstromofficial. 
and his latest book is entitled There Is No App for Happiness, Finding Joy and Meaning in the Digital Age with Mindfulness, Breathwork, and Yoga. And if you'd like to listen to the last time we had him on the show, you can go back and check out episode 228. And I have all the links to everything that I just mentioned that will all be in the show description below. All right, that is a wrap for me. If you are enjoying the show and our new five-day format, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcast or Spotify Podcast. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and I'll see you back here tomorrow. So until then, stay strong. Later. Later.